And welcome back for another episode of the Blackwatch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. With me this evening, as always, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Did time change, uh, well, not time change, but schedule change has been weird lately. I like, tried to get back on normal sleep schedule and then it just slips because I have no reason to like wake up early ever. So it's just like, ah, I could go to bed at three every morning or every evening and so. Yeah, and uh, on, doing stuff in the middle of the day is just weird. <laughs> I'm on second shift, so when I wake up, I just feel like I'm prepping to go to work no matter what time I wake up. So it's like I get yeah. nothing done. It's super weird. And then with matches on Thursday and Friday nights, I'm at work when it all happens. So yeah. I have to basically cram everything in Saturday morning. So I watched all of these matches earlier today and uh, while I was very, very tired. Um, but other than that, man, it's just been chilling and playing Stardew Valley. I think I'm going to load up some Dauntless a little bit later. Uh, mm-hmm. just playing some chill games, relax, cause need some relaxation in my life right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit hectic. A little hectic. Uh, but we're going to roll right down into the news. We don't got a whole lot of news. But as always, news is brought to you by our Patreons. If you want to support the news, head over to patreon.com slash blackwatchreports. Become a Patreon at the $2 level, and you can sponsor the news. This week's sponsor is Mr. Thugly. Thank you so much for the sponsor. And uh, I'm going to take this bit of news here because it's literally the only bit of news. And it's you have one week left to get signed up for our episode 100 giveaway. Uh, your chance at one of four. One of four different teams jerseys i gotta be careful how i say that people don't think i'm giving away four jerseys i'm giving away one i'm i'm not rich uh it is for na we've also got a battle.net gift card up for grabs and a set of overwatch league homestand sprays so uh hit up the twitter it is our pin tweet over at twitter.com slash blackwatch port with that, we're going to roll right down into the quick play. We're going to be talking about NA Contenders playoffs. Um, I'm going to run through the the upper and lower uh, the brackets real quick so we can get right down into these matches. Um, we saw this week third impact taking on Triumph. Third impact take that 3-1. Team Doge stomping their way through 3-0 over second wind. And then Noble falling to Karasuno, ending that... Uh, kind of Cinderella story that they were going for with the five eighth place ties that were going on and then square one knocking out the saints three zero. So that's going to set up second wind versus Karasuno and triumph versus square, uh, square one for next week's lowers round two. And then we're going to have third impact the rematch versus doge in the upper finals one of those two will be going on to the grand finals. The others will be heading down into the uh, the lower bracket. So let's uh, head right into this. Kyle, let's start off with this uh, these lower bracket matches. Yeah, so the lower bracket was a bit weird. I watched these yesterday, and it's, it's magical how I can watch something literally yesterday. And, like, I don't remember who is even on these teams. I don't, Like, literally less than 24 hours ago, I watched these matches. I'm like... Ultima Web, he sounds familiar. Like, yeah, he's been around for a minute. Um, so I'm like, as I review through my notes, it reminds me how terrible my memory is. So, um, Noble here, they're a weird team um, because they, it seems like they switch 
it seems like Ultima Web doesn't really know where he is or what he's supposed to be, like what his role is, what like how he can be the most impactful for his team. He switched a lot. I think he played like three or four, maybe even five different heroes, and they weren't kind of the typical meta picks. Like it wasn't you play Echo when on the Echo maps you play, you know, Torb where you've got to play Torb or you know whatever. He brought some Junkrat, which was not very uh, you know commonly played a lot of tracer and the tracer was definitely the most impactful for him um and then brooks as well uh mostly played a bunch of reaper but i think there was one big pick he got on doomfist that was helpful to give them i'm pretty sure that was their one map win is he got a oh yeah it was a rocket punch kill on the enemy moira and when you are on Eichenwald third trying to defend against a team making their final push, a pick like that will basically swing you the map, and it turned out that it did. But for the most part, Noble kind of got just outplayed on multiple different angles here from Karasuno, who, um, it, given it wasn't like an incredibly, you know, stompy match, it was pretty close, but still, like, you could definitely feel that it was Karasuno definitely had bracket. kind of, yeah. Um, the only thing I really had on Noble was a, a couple different times uh, saw Tensa getting kind of separated out, whether it was off of uh, May walls or just positioning himself in awkward spots. Um, yeah, Noble just didn't seem like they were playing quite at the same level that Karasuno was playing. I mean, they pulled the one map, but it was mm-hmm. it was kind of sloppy. Yeah, we also did see Tedsa on the Mercy, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. Mercy is not really commonly played by a lot of teams. Like, I don't necessarily think, like... I, I guess it's hard for me to analyze what the, the most optimal comp is because I don't play at that level, but, like, seeing every other team not run Mercy and not run Junkrat means that, like, if you're running Mercy or Junkrat, it's a bit of a risk. Um, on the side of Karasuno, though... This was a bit weird because I feel like Kalman was very like up and down, um, some kind of non-existent plays. But I think in uh, Nepal Shrine, he ends up playing with the Zarya, and towards the end of the match, just built incredibly high charge, burns down a couple, then everyone else literally just runs off of point. Uh, I think there were like two or three left alive, and they all just like left point because he was running at them. Uh, and then it was uh, you know ninety nine percent overtime, and then it takes down the wick burned out and then there were three people outside of the point and they just lost the map so or not they but noble had lost the map because yeah. uh common was at such high charge so that's kind of always a funny thing to see um as well on anubis i feel like they that was not the map they won no it was the map that uh kerosene won yeah uh after letting noble take the first point on anubis they basically held, or Karasuna basically held like at their spawn for most of that defense and was able to just not even allow them to get the second point capped. So that way they had a very clear win condition on their attack um, and were able to take that map win pretty handedly just with a very aggressive and well-coordinated defense. And over on the offensive side of Anubis, you were talking about Tensa's Mercy. It's this exact scenario that sets up why a lot of people probably aren't playing mercy a whole lot um we saw tensa get separated out from the team again and then they literally followed him from point a to 
almost the mid door on point B, freezing him and staggering him, killing him after there's that little timer where when the point flips, uh, the defend defending team gets accelerated uh, spawn timers uh, to kind of yeah. make sure that they can't get steamrolled. They were able to stagger out Tensa long enough to get past that timer, get the full stagger on him, and then just rush B and just absolutely decimate off of that. Um, so their whole Anubis attack and defense it was pretty impressive coming out of Karasuno. That was one of the, the big highlights of uh, watching this match. Yeah, and, and definitely, as you kind of mentioned, your part of that was the May. I, one thing I do need to note here for Karasuno... Um, not a ton of incredibly impactful players on this roster. Valen was like, okay. Uh, Niche has been doing okay as well since he joined this roster. Um, Fix was okay. Got picked at a, a kind of key moment on Eichenwald, as we mentioned. Uh, but Ricky is definitely, like, he's very clearly, like, a May specialist. He can do other things, kind of. But, like, his real bread and butter is the May. Uh, that's what he was known for in Clockwork Vendetta. Like, that was his, like, I'm a one-trick. This is what I'm playing. And he was one of the few players to actually survive past the implosion of Clockwork Vendetta um, and is finding incredible success because you can actually run May at most points um, in the meta currently. And he's showing that kind of finesse and game knowledge and just experience with the hero of really playing, you know, great walls. Obviously, like there's the the obvious one to wall off one side on uh, Nepal Village. But I think there's also some interesting walls that he found on Temple of Anubis that, like, on the other side of the ramp, on the first point away from the platform, he's able to cut off the stairs leading down to the first point. So they were able to kind of bum rush the point, and then a lot of people on the defending side got kind of caught on that bridge and had to rotate awkwardly. And just doing things like that, like forcing your opponent to move in a way or, like, reposition in a way that's less than optimal that like causes them to make mistakes or play a different way. Um, just that sort of disruption is really where he's finding a ton of value for this team. He's not necessarily always getting picks, but he has, mm -hmm. he's gotten tons of them, but like that's not even what he's kind of um, really truly bringing to this team. Yep. So then um, the next one up is square one versus Saints. square one win this three Oh, um, I don't have a whole lot on this one. This is another one of those ones where it just kind of felt like it was a lower bracket match. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, you got a couple notes here. So what's what's going on? Yeah, I talked about Ultima Wet playing the Junkrat, not finding too much success. He brought it out on Temple of Anubis. Um, Dimes for Square One brought out the Junkrat on Control Center and Gardens. Um, both points that you can... Especially Control Center. A um, lot of... Uh, close angles, close choke points here where he can find value. Um, after, okay, we, I guess I should probably lay this out kind of chronologically. So it starts out on Night Market, and Shane gets two shatters before Cameron gets one. Shane playing for Saints, Cameron for square one. Um, really just dunks on him this whole stage. Just constant aggression um saints end up taking night market 100 to zero yep. you have a quick note on there i'll let you get that out yeah, and with that aggression we saw them actually use um hazards teleporter teleporter 
to move up the whole team up to the high ground towards square one's uh, spawn. And square one was using the high ground to initiate almost exclusively up until that point. So square one enters through the door, not expecting the whole team of saints to be sitting there and saints get a second team wipe back to back, just instantly playing super aggressive. Um, I think that was their biggest benefit to this. And then we get into control center and dimes happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally completely flips the script here. This is one of the weirdest maps I've seen um, where, like I said, it was absolute pure and utter domination from the Saints on Night Market. Then you get to Control Center. Dimes like locking the Junkrat. 100 to 0 on Control Center. Same thing on Gardens. Basically the same comp, I think. Maybe one or two heroes changed, but um, 100 to 0 as well. Square One ends up taking that after being absolutely steamrolled on Night Market. Um, I think that this particular matchup was really the Dimes show. Um, the Farah rocket barrage on Anubis A on their attack. I remember in particular, it was incredibly risky because the enemy BAP had already dropped down the amplification matrix and he's like dropping right in front of it. If he didn't get kills in the first half second, he would have instantly died. Um, But he dropped kind of down from above the roof. So they didn't expect it and didn't see it coming. And then just hits the rocket barrage gets three. The point is, you know, cracked wide open. Um, And then so like the junk right. Great. The Farah, Great. Playing the echo, which is kind of now the the bread and butter here of the recent meta, Um, particularly King's row. There was a moment where. The defending team square one was playing on the kind of big platform above the not hotel but the other i guess it is maybe it is hotel um kind of the bigger room they're playing on the platform there behind the statue they force saints to run into them meanwhile um dimes is playing kind of back of point flanks around from the attacker spawn basically just gets an off angle hit stickies then beams down i forget who was i think it was someone pretty important gets an early pick and basically just destroys the attacking push um, before it even really gets started. So literally three different heroes and he's had three incredible performances um, on three different maps. So he definitely kind of deserves to be the the player of note for this matchup, though track does get a really big entry pick onto hazard on Anubis a um, to kind of help with that point as well. But I think for the most part, this was the dimes show. Um, even on King's Row, uh, Saints couldn't even get to the, the point for the final fight. They were just kind of pushed and bullied off. And I think after that first night market, it just became a complete steamroll for Square One. Yep. Square One got that uh, little bit of confidence. Um, Saints mm-hmm. really trying to run the the Symmetra a lot of the times where I really didn't think that the Symmetra was working out all the time. It worked out in moments, but I think they were... They were too hesitant to switch off of the Symmetra early, and it kind of bit them here. Um, but it was, again, just, it was one of those matches where eh, it was Overwatch. Yeah. So that takes us into uh, last night's matches, the upper bracket. Uh, we saw Triumph going up against Third Impact. Third Impact sending Triumph down to the losers round two. 
with a scoreline of three to one. Uh, let's let's start over with uh, with Triumph, maybe. Yeah, actually, I think. Um, no, yeah, I have I do have a note on Village first, which was the the first kind of map on Nepal. Um, they run the sim comp does third impact and. Like, as we've seen before, once you it really helps for that first fight because they're able to get to the point first. Uh, it was a May sim. Um, I think it was Razor. Who was playing the May for them? It had to have been. Yeah, it had to be Razor who's playing the May. And then um, Tayo was on the sim. I think they wall off, get one person caught from Trap. I think they pick off Decod. Um, no, it was the Lucio player. He gets completely, um, just completely shut out. Was it Cronus? Yeah, it must yeah, have been Cronus. Cronus on the Lucio. He gets completely caught out by the May wall. Uh, his own May also locks off the other side, so they're completely walled in, and he's just stuck in there with them. Then they're able to get it up ninety nine percent, lose the fight, and then the problem is with that comp, you now have to basically restart because at least with the with the Symmetra, you can't. You can't retake with Symmetra on Village. It just does not work out at all. But luckily, they were able to kind of brute force it. I think it took up uh, Triumph up to like 80-something percent before Third Impact were able to flip it back. Um, and you have a note here. Or is uh, this oh, it's for Hanamura? Yeah, it's moving down into Hanamura. Um, for Third Impact, their A defense was some of the most patient and well-thought-out defense up until what we'll talk about on the Triumph side. Um, Triumph was running the Symmetra. They were taking really, really strange angles with the teleporter. Um, not mm -hmm. your typical Switching it up every single yeah. time. Like, okay, let's go right this time. Let's go on the roof of the left this time. And They, they never kinda... put it in the same spot back-to-back. -back. So... Mm -hmm. They were keeping third impact on their toe, but third impact would let them engage so then they could plan accordingly and they would never over aggress into situations that would mess them up. Like when they teleported up to the roof, they dropped down uh, and then went into the uh, large health pack room and then kind of waited there. Third Impact stayed at the point. They didn't aggress. They didn't try to go and, and meet him head on at the top of the steps, uh, which allowed Third Impact to be prepared for the push. Wiped him every time. Um, so Third Impact was just playing really, really smart on Hanamura. Um, basically the whole way through, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but... Yeah, yeah Hanamura was kind of sorry. the. Uh, it, it definitely Hanamura was definitely the weirdest map because this was a three-three draw. Um, it seemed like both teams had a really good defense, as you mentioned. Um, Third Impact was pretty smart. Um, there was one moment in which things kind of fell apart in that Hydron uh, on the side of Triumph, and this always screws me up because Decod used to play on Triumph, and so mm -hmm. I have to like make sure that like I remember who's the main tank on which side because this he was you know previously on this team. Um, Hydron is able to kind of play with the Tracer, bait around on point, force Decod to kind of play there, picks Decod off, and it was kind of the one thing that allowed them to kind of uh, crack the point open. I think this might have been the 
I uh, know this was the first time around. Um, but then on the other side for third impact, in order the way that they were able to kind of crack the point open the the second time was this beautiful at like the one of the best executed halt accretion combos I've ever seen. Um, they're playing on the left side platform from the attacker's perspective. The uh, decod throws the halt just to the right of the shield, picks up one person. It was Chow on the other side. Then, um, who is it? Icy hits the accretion, knocks Chow. They absolutely destroy him in like a half of a second. And now you're 6v5 on attack and they're able to just steamroll from there and take the first point. Um, super duper um, smart play from them. I think it's just one thing I noticed is there were tons and tons of great points. I think the final one was on Busan, was it? There was a lot of really good um, halts that I noticed from Decod and and like every single week we talk about different uh, say that again? I was like, his halts, we've seen them just be consistent this whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking phenomenal with it. After being tagged as a Ryan one trick, now he's, you know, horsing it up. Yeah, he's literally like every single week week that goes by, we're like, okay, well, his Reinhardt's really good. Yeah. And last week, I think we talked up his Winston being incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then before that, like a couple months back, he's been like really good at wrecking ball and is one of the best wrecking balls in, in the region as well. So he's just like, he has kind of cornered the market on almost every single main tank pick at this point. Um, and that's kind of why our title is what the title is this week. He's just had an absolute incredible performance. Yep. Um, Eichenwald was the one where Tramp were able to take that. Part of it was due to a couple of big plays. Um, Chow ends up hitting a perfect bomb on the bridge right before the third point doors. Um, the front line of third impact had pushed up aggressively. Chow was able to send it right down the bridge, catch it halfway between the back line and the DPS, and then the front line. And you're just kind of stuck there. Like there's no shields up available. They're already the shields are already way pushed up. And he just kind of perfectly places it, perfectly times it, gets two kills. Um, super smart play from him, as well as Nos and 2S um, had really good Maywalls to isolate and kill people on Eichenwald third. Um, definitely just some super smart play. Yeah, and one of his ice walls actually he used against Decod at on it was the overtime uh attack for triumph no wait yes yeah the overtime attack for triumph um decod builds up a shatter the whole team of triumph is getting ready to come through uh the little room on the left i'm sorry right side from attacker's point of view and uh right as decod's getting ready to drop the hammer Nas lifts him up in the air with the uh, the ice wall. He shatters the top of the ice wall, gets no one with it. Uh, it's not very often we see Decod with a shatter. So uh, it was one of those quick thinking plays that we've seen come out of uh, Nas with his May play. So um, again, May being meta, some of these guys that are playing top tier, they can really do some some crazy things with those walls. Yeah, and then I did have one final note here. Um, 
I think second to last map, Havana. Uh, I believe it was a 1-0. Razor on the defense has the Hanzo pick and is able to almost single-handedly um, solidify the match for them. Uh, basically, is the kind of the turning point for this um, full hold. Absolutely just standout play. I think Tramp was running a Widowmaker. Who was, would have been Hydron probably on the Widowmaker. And he just had nothing done. Razor just shut him down at every turn with the Hanzo. Um, Definitely like, in terms of this team, their DPS line is really, really next level. We mentioned that once Razor gets more ingrained with this team, um, we're going to start seeing better performances. He didn't play as much Echo. He's able to play other things and have a big performance because there was not as much issues with syncing with your team. Um, he was mechanically talented. We just needed to see him kind of lock in with the team, and he kind of has started getting there, and it's really starting to show. So it's very likely looking like third impact is going to go against Team Doge here. Um both in the upper bracket finals, as we know for a fact, and also very likely in the grand finals as well. Yep. And I mean, really, the Echo was the only issue that we had noticed coming out of Third Impact last week. And Mm -hmm. instead of forcing the play, they just played what they knew they could play and looked phenomenal doing it. So um, who knows? We might not see Third Impact run Echo, but a handful of times. And if it works, it works. But speaking of Doge... Uh, Doge over here just doing their thing, you know, jumping right past teams. Um, I do believe we had a uh, we had a tie on here. We did have a draw in Temple of Anubis here. Yep, we we had we had the draw, uh, but it was still a three zero. Uh, other than the but, draw, yeah, there beyond was that, no sign of life. There were no points scored. Yeah, yeah, they had not scored a single point besides that draw. Um, started off on Lijing Tower. Oni God playing the Ash had so many entry picks. Second one, we're basically starting every single fight 5v6. Um, just super duper smart play. We did see Speedily playing the Doomfist. As we know he can do, he brought that out on XL2 and looked absolutely stellar mm-hmm. in, in the past. Um, I believe this is the Dark Mode Esports comp in which you have a Ryan Winston and a Doomfist Lucio. Um, really fast, really brawly, really kind of almost divey. Um, I think they were calling it comp. a bulldozer. Yeah, and it just did not work out for Sekowind. I think maybe it's just because it wasn't, it's not like a GOATS comp in which it's just like the best comp. It's a different look and requires a lot of finesse and um, you can't kind of play stuff like that against Team Doge. Like, you will, if you were on your own at any point, you will get picked off. You have two of the best hitscan players on, I mean, probably in all of Tier 2, if not, there's there's lots of talks about where they'd stand in Overwatch League, but that's that remains, you know, that's just not our, uh, not something we can call at this point. Um, but Onega will just always get these entry picks here. Just super duper solid. Um, second win did look pretty good. They were able to take some percentages on this point uh, of Li Zhang on the on the two maps, and of, like we mentioned, they did tie on Temple of Anubis. But beyond those first two maps, they were destroyed on Iaconvald. Yeah. 
and destroyed on Havana. Yeah, the, going back to Anubis, uh, the one map where they showed a little bit of sign of life, uh, they had phenomenal target focus, um, rotating from not just positions on the map, but changing from one target to the next, eliminating high-value targets, and then working their way down. Um, but it only ended them up in a draw. Um, it's it's kind of crazy how good they looked at those moments, and they still weren't able to pull out the win on this one. Mm-hmm. One of the things I did want to note as well, towards the last point on Havana, we saw Onigod pushing up right, going into the courtyard near the defender's spawn, um, gets a little bit of a flank, but then throws a bob right in the middle of courtyard. And when you're the defenders, you play in courtyard, kind of waiting at those doors, um, trying to hold the enemy on the other side of those doors. Like That's your choke point. And someone's able to get through that and throw a bob down, who's got tons of HP, um, and all of your shields are facing at the enemy team. Like They were able to crack that point right open and kind of solidify that to give themselves the pretty easy win. Um, just super-duper smart play. As well, like this particular matchup, all I really saw was Kevster and Onigod popping off. Like Havana, they were able to run Onigod, Ash, Kevster, Widow. And I'm like, that is a terrifying combo. Like, there's no winning that. Um, and then Kevster, when he was playing the Tracer on Eichenwald, yep. I think it was on A, they he just had like he had two people on him off of the I forget what that is, like kind of the the point like where you would fall off the map on that lower area on the first point, he's just playing there by himself against two enemies uh, from second wind, takes them both out while at like, you know, 50 HP, you know, was able to get a perfect recall, just kill, kill. The dude is like definitely in his renaissance. We saw him look okay in past moments, but I think once he was brought on to Envy and then once they became Team Doge, he just is in a, a world of his own. And I literally just saw a tweet on my other monitor from sure four. It says, I feel like team Doge could be a top five NA team in OWL given certain metas. And at this point, like Kevster well is really making a name for himself and like really making a good case that like, why is he not being picked up for these overwatch league teams that have recently started signing some tier two talent? Mm-hmm. Um, Saw a little bit out of Solari. Nothing huge, nothing flashy. Just smart decision making. Uh, If he got chunked, he wouldn't push the issue. Uh, There was a moment where he was nanoed. And instantly, as soon as he landed, uh, he was playing on the Winston. He, like, 75% of his health got dropped. Instead of saying, I've got nano and an... I've got a Fox behind me. I'm going to keep going. No, he pulled out because he saw that I believe Kevster uh, was picked. Uh, so he didn't force the issue and set team Doge further back in uh, potential stagger time. Um, just a couple really smart uh, disengagements from him. Definitely one of those. He, he's getting better with with everything there in the beginning when he first joined envy uh if i'm not mistaken we saw him a little over aggressive and getting picked early when he was first in there and you can just see the growth in him making those decisions going forward 
Yep, definitely. Um, I, I think, and in particular, like this was not because he was not having a good game, or you know, this tank line was anything less than stellar. It's just because they were doing their job, meaning the DPS could do DPS things and solidify the kills. So, yep. um, I think last week I had mentioned that I think it was Oni God playing the Widowmaker on Havana against Third Impact, and he just had no shots because um salieri and finzi were unsuccessful at, at kind of shaking up the enemy team and forcing people to misposition he was now able to do that like you saw on this attack him and finzi were just walking at second wind um bullying them out you had i think it was og playing the zenyatta breaking the shields yep. you had and literally everything contributing to just an unstoppable force from team doge you had double snipers at completely different angles you could hide during like you didn't have shields to hide behind because you know the tanks and supports were both shooting the shields you didn't have you know cover to hide behind because if you're hiding from one you're in view of the other like it's just this particular attack was like an arrow and it was just flawless So that wraps up NA uh, lower bracket round one and the upper semifinals. I always get the yeah. the it's, terminology. It's a weird phrasing, yeah. Um, so we're going to roll down into the EU playoff brackets. We uh, we talked about some of it last week. Kyle, why don't you we take talked- EU? Yeah, we talked, we covered the first round upper bracket, those first four matches, um, where we saw Raspberry Racers Disaster, Samsung Morningstars, and Sheer Cold knocked down into the lower bracket. Raspberry Races, Racers take out Disaster 3-1, knocking Disaster out permanently of this playoff bracket. Sheer Cold does the same to Samsung 3-0, so Samsung is out as well. Sheer Cold move up to face Shoes Money Crew, and Raspberry Racers face off Young and Beautiful, which I have now spoiled. Matches I'm going to talk about right now, but it literally doesn't matter. British Hurricane, as British Hurricane does, takes out Shoes Money Crew 3-1, kicking them in the lower bracket. X Oblivion, a team that I don't know much about, I'll be honest there, take out Young and Beautiful, knocking Young and Beautiful down. So we have British Hurricane, X Oblivion taking the upper bracket grand finals. Like I mentioned, Young and Beautiful, Raspberry Racers, Shoes Money Crew, and Sheer Cold lower bracket. So it's it's looking like British Hurricane take the finals again and become the first team to have a perfect season in uh in EU. Yeah, looking at the uh ex Oblivion's roster, I know Dan's. That's it. Renee, Slay, Kara, Linu, Fi, and Dan's. That's the, the six on the roster right now. Um Going looking through previous, at one point they had Doge, they had Naga. Outside of that, yeah, this is a team that I didn't know a whole lot about. So yep. down, down in Korea, Korea has finished. Uh, last week we went over the semifinals, or the the quarterfinals, the upper semis, and the Lowers round Lower one. first round. Yeah. So we've got lower round two, Runaway beating Element Mystic 3-0. Betalica beating Genji Esports 3-2, setting up the Runaway versus Betalica. Runaway take that 
in the winner's final O2 blast, blasting their way past WGS Phoenix 3-0, sending Phoenix down to meet up against Runaway. Runaway doing the same to them, taking the win 3-0, going up into the grand finals against O2 blast. O2 blast beating Runaway in the grand finals 4-2. And this is definitely one that we're probably going to cover. I think we, uh, we discussed this pre-show a little bit, but we'll, we'll kind of let everyone else know what's going on. We're likely going to have um, five matches or six matches for NA this next week, so we might have to only do four of those. And we might be able to do six, depending on the scheduling and all that. We'll see what we can do. Then the week after, we'll have only the NA game to cover for Grand Finals. Same with EU as well. We'll only have the Grand Finals to cover. And so what we'll probably do is just knock out all three Grand Finals for EU, NA, and KR at the same time. So even though we know where this match you know, headed, I know that one player in particular had himself a game of a lifetime. Um, we're going to cover that once we get into the slow season because um, we need to kind of spread lightly here and not have you know all of this in in the the weeks of contenders we have to have some off-season content here and so we're gonna probably cover these three matches as well maybe sometime in that next couple weeks as well we're gonna cover that uh that runaway versus lunatic high match as well which is gonna be fun to see which i'm i'm checking right now uh, there is nothing posted on the next open division uh, start. Mm. So that means if it, we don't know when open division starts, we've got really no clue on when season two starts. Uh, so we're going to have probably a really large downtime downtime of uh, matches to cover. So we're going to be looking at interviews and, and checking out, you know, specific games like Kyle said. Uh, definitely want to watch that runaway lunatic high and man i got a feeling this o2 blast runaway like even with the score line four two that's probably going to be a banger there's going to be a lot of really good stuff to watch yeah definitely let me look at the oh there's some long maps here dude there's some long maps i'm excited for this long maps or short maps man some of these were interesting so i'm definitely curious to see what happened here but uh, like Kyle said, we'll just do one big grand final show, basically, covering the three regions uh, once we've got all of them finished. So, um, But today was kind of a short one. The, there wasn't a whole lot to cover in these matches. There was almost, well, no, there was no news uh, surrounding Tier 2. Um, but we are getting into that point. Like I said, we don't know when Open Division is starting. More than likely within the next two to three weeks, we'll probably get an announcement on when registration is going to come up um, because that's a long process going through open and the first round of trials before we even get into uh, contenders. So hopefully and there have been news. whisperings of more Fran community cups. I think she tweeted out that she might be wanting to start something like that up again um, with proceeds going to charities. Um, it has seemed very likely we knew that the path to pro people were kind of looking at new ideas and ways to kind of change up the format and add more, you know, breakable barriers types tournaments. Um, it's seeming very likely that we're going to get something like that in the near future. So I would not be surprised if we had some kind of supplemental uh, tier two content between all the tier three and tier four 
goodness that will be happening after this contender season wraps up. Yeah, definitely looking forward. The Fran Cup was awesome to watch. The, the mm-hmm. break, those special breakable barrier matches that they did. And I guess the that Echo was one was cool. pretty good too. But yeah. that was a little, a little that different. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's gonna wrap us for tonight. Not a huge show. Sorry, no news again. Uh, Kyle, where you at on the internet? You can find me on Twitter. Actually, interesting little announcement. I am in the midst of a uh, asset jam where it's like a game jam, but instead of making full-fledged games, you just make parts of games. And so what I've been doing is doing music. I actually wrote three songs in uh, 10 hours yesterday, which was wild. I've never done that much, and I'm going to be streaming after this. Um, I'm going to take a, a real quick break and then I'll actually be streaming my music making process for um, the rest of today and then maybe some tomorrow morning as well. So if you're interested in watching me make music, I, it took me a long time to figure out the internal routing for the streams and stuff like that. But I'm able to get that up and running as long as my laptop um, cooperates. I will be streaming some uh, on twitch.tv slash Kyle the winner. So check it out there. I might have to listen to you make music while I tend to my farm. Uh, yes. Probably going <laughs> to play some more Stardew Valley because it's really relaxing. <laughs> but you can find me over on Twitter at ThornRain. Uh, when I do do streams, uh, I do it right here on the Blackwatch Reports Twitch channel. So uh, if you're an audio listener and you want to check us out, see what we're doing outside of the show, um, Head over to Twitch, create a free account, hit that follow button. If you've got uh, Amazon Prime, that means you've got Twitch Prime, so you can hit the subscribe button for free. And if you want to help out in another way completely free, leave us a review. Any one of the podcatchers will do. Uh, Just send us a screen cap, and we'll read it live on the show and give you a shout-out. But other than that, you can follow the show over on Twitter at Blackwatch Report. There is no own that report, and that is where we are hosting that giveaway that I spoke about earlier. Uh, so do get in on that. Uh, you might win yourself one of these uh, cool jerseys. Email the show, blackwatchreport at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, we'd like to hear from you guys. Follow the show right here on twitch.tv.blackwatch Blackwatch Report. We record live, typically on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. But I'm stuck on second shift. That's why we're doing it on Saturday. So for the next two weeks, we will be doing Saturdays, and then we'll be back to our regular schedule. Uh, Intro music, as Kyle was mentioning, he makes music. He made our intro music. Uh, And then you can follow the... um, This has been a High Noon production. You can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with all the hosts on the Discord. It's always popping over there at discord.me slash highnoonpodcast. And with that, Blackwatch out.